0: Welcome to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. Okay, today I'm joined by Jordan Harbinger, and we are going to be talking about how to create a network of opportunities without having an agenda. So if you're somebody who is a bit introverted or finds the whole networking thing a little bit sleazy and it's just not comfortable for you, then what Jordan is going to share with us is going to be groundbreaking for you. He's going to share so many hacks and tips and ways to build out a brilliant network that becomes your tribe or your community or people that you can help, you know, and they can help you and and so on. But it's not this kind of tit for tat. And I want Jordan to kind of talk to us a little bit about that and really help us understand what networking truly is. Now, Jordan is an American lawyer turned social dynamics expert and entrepreneur. For 11 years, he hosted the Art of Charm podcast, which regularly in the iTunes top 50 and downloaded over 4 million times a month. Now Jordan interviews the world's top performers from legendary musicians to intelligent operatives. uh, I can't even say this word. Iconic laclastic writers uh, to visionary change makers at the Jordan Harbinger show, which consistently holding in the top 100 just after a few weeks. He's a former Wall Street attorney. Jordan speaks five languages and spent several years abroad in Europe, And a developing world including South America, Eastern Europe and the Middle East. He has also worked for various governments and NGOs overseas, traveled through war zones and has been kidnapped twice. He'll tell us probably a little bit of uh, the reason why he's still alive today and kicking because of his ability to talk his way into things and out of things. So it's an absolute honor to have Jordan on the show today.
1: Uh, so just to clarify, I run the Jordan Harbinger show. There's another show that you mentioned earlier that I'd started, but I left it to someone else. And now that person is trying to use my last name and pretend to be related to me. So it's super weird situation. Oh, so that is a I strange one. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, cause yeah. any brand confusion. I never mentioned the other brand because it's just so weird that this guy is essentially posing as me. So uh, the yeah. Jordan Harbinger show is where you can find me and my uh, bevy of iconoclastic guests uh, that I should probably pick a different one word to describe uh if people are gonna trip over that so much. That's really funny. Um uh, so yeah. thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it. I think it's a it's a good opportunity to speak to uh so hopefully some new folks about what we yep. do on the Jordan Harbinger show and about networking and creating relationships. Jordan,
0: it, it's great to have you on. And I would I would love to deep dive straight into the networking and draw out all those hacks. And I I, I want to get to that. Um, sure. But I would love just to hear more about how you arrived in this situation. Obviously, we talked touched on it in your bio, but you have such an extraordinary journey to getting to, you know, launching the Art of Charm and then your own show. But there's there's other things that happened up until that point, um, you know, from being in law school and all of that. So just give us an overview of, of your experience with all of that.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, I became a lawyer a while back uh, and I still am technically but while I was an attorney I realized all right I am not able to just fudge my way through stuff like I was in high school you know it's not you can't show up to the geometry test when you're a lawyer and just teach yourself the stuff 5 minutes before or while looking at the exam you have to prepare and that that's fine uh, but I wasn't used to that in high school however when I got to college everybody was kind of smart you know everybody was the show up to the geometry test type of person or had figured out strategies around that. So I then went from fudging whatever results, you know, on, on the test, not fudging the results, but winging it, I guess is a better word, to, to having to outwork everyone, you know, to have to work really hard to make sure that I was the most prepared person in the, in the exam room or one of the most. And then when I got to Wall Street and became an attorney, it was like, oh, everyone, is now working really hard, and everyone is really smart. So I thought, okay, my competitive advantages have gone away. They are they are no longer a part of my strategy. They can't be because I I don't have a competitive advantage. But that was a little scary because you think, okay, now I'm just going to get fired. You know, it's they're going to go, oh right. well, this guy can't cut the mustard, so we're going to give him the the axe. And what I didn't know back then was that that was called imposter syndrome, and it's something that, like, everybody has. Uh, every high mm-hmm. performer has or even medium performer has. Uh, l- people who don't have imposter – whenever I go go give talks at, like, Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple, whatever, Harvard, or, you know, a b- great school, Michigan, um, I go, who here feels like they're the only person who slipped through the cracks and they don't really belong here and, you know, it's only a matter of time till they get found out? And, like, 90% of the room, the hands go up. But then I give this talk in high school and everyone's like, no, nah, man, I'm great. I'm awesome. I am exactly as awesome as I feel, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I that miss it.
0: that ignorance. You know, I miss too. that,
1: that naivety. Dude, <laughs> Tell me about it. It's like, yeah, yeah. it is just like, you've got to be, ki- for, yeah. Don't even get me started. I, The low performers seldom have imposter syndrome because they are exactly as great as they feel in that group Mm -hmm. of folks, or they are so ignorant, painfully ignorant, as to their ability to perform or not that they simply don't feel that imposter syndrome. High performers are used to being around other amazing people, so we compare our blooper reel to their highlight reel, and therefore we think we're the only stinker in the room because we see ourselves as we think we are, whereas we see everyone else as either their curated image in social media or because of the way that we view them and we use you know our, our cognitive biases come into full fully into play, and we start to think that everybody's as great as we see them because we smooth out their flaws and we we don't do the same yeah. for ourselves. Interesting, so, yeah, so I started to realize that only after a while in law school or in uh, in the law firm job that I was at <clears throat> during the summer where I had the internship, and I thought the best strategy for me would be to work from home. Because if I was able to work from home, which I know a lot of lawyers were able to do, if I was able to work from home, it would take them longer to find out that I was, that I didn't belong there and that I should, you know, maybe get the ax at the first round of layoffs or whatever it was. So I decided to try and figure out how to work from home. And the way that I did that was I approached one of the youngest partners in the law firm who was never in the office and I said, hey, you know, how come you are never in the office, but you're one of the youngest partners. Do you just work from home? You know, what's what's sort of your secret? What's the secret that you have that I can maybe take for myself, right? Um, What's the deal on working from home? And he said, well, you know, I'm not really working from home that often. You know, I'm just, but I am outside the firm, and the reason I'm outside the firm is that I generate business for the firm. So I don't, I don't just sit at home and work because I don't like the office. I'm out generating deals and you know I don't worry about my billable hourly bonus from not being in the office because he had to work from the office for a while. I was like, oh, did you get an exemption from that? And he goes, no, I just don't even worry about the billable hours because if I bring in a deal every quarter that's worth a million bucks and I get 5% of that, it puts my billable hourly bonus to shame and I can't really get the billable hourly bonus and generate business the way that I am, so I just don't worry about billable hours. So I was like, let me get this straight. You're the youngest partner in the firm. You don't have to go to the office. You don't have to build 2,000 or whatever hours a year because you're out generating business. What does that look like? And he's like, you know, I'm cycling, jogging. I go do jujitsu, play a little golf, do some charity stuff. I was like, this sounds like the best job ever. You know, it's not that he did no work. It's that he worked a mere 40 hours a week or whatever, you know, normal guys like that worked. He worked in beer 40 hours a week, 30 hours a week, but he was doing all this stuff to generate business. And I was like, I need to figure out how to do that. And so I asked him for advice and his advice was just be cool, man. And I thought, if I could just be cool, do you think I would have become a freaking lawyer? You know, like, what are you talking about? Just be cool, man. Like, like, give me a break. Not that all lawyers aren't cool, but I certainly wasn't. So I thought this is the worst most unactionable, non-actionable advice that you could possibly get from someone. It was like, be taller or be confident or be yourself. Yeah, Just be taller. Like, where do I even start? Is it possible? Unlikely. And so I decided to take some classes on networking and they were not great. You know, I, I took like a Dale Carnegie class, no shade on Dale Carnegie, that stuff's usually okay. But I came to the realization a lot of the advice was look them in the eye and have a firm handshake and I was like cool my yeah. grandpa gave me that advice back in 89 like yeah, the basics use their yeah.
0: name don't forget the name yeah. yeah yeah
1: and and it got a little ridiculous cuz it was like use their name 3 times and I remember right. yeah, meeting yeah. people who had just taken the class at some point later on or even maybe not that much later that like the last class that had graduated and they were like hi Jordan nice to meet you Jordan what do you do Jordan and I was like this is so robotic and awkward I don't want to look like that And I I really did come to the realization that if I was going to learn to be a great networker and bring in million dollar deals for my law firm every quarter and blah, 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 I probably wasn't going to learn the nuanced art of rapport building from a guy wearing a sweater vest teaching on Tuesday nights at the YMCA, (laughs) you know? And and like, I feel bad sort of smack talking the guy because he was a nice guy, but I do remember like a lot of conversations where he'd be like, hang on, guys, I got to go take this call. And he'd be in the hallway like, I'll have the rent on Tuesday. And it was like this really tragic scenario where this guy was teaching a bunch of professionals business skills, but clearly was completely broke. And just like kind of, it was kind of like this sad case. And I I really did realize that he had read a book, was now teaching us the contents of that book. And Mm -hmm. then- and And that was kind of like his strategy for making ends meet. It was not a yeah. nuance. It was not a professional nuanced in the art of sales. So then I went and gra- I graduated, quote, unquote, from those literally and figuratively, and then took sales classes. and i I had the same realization, which was really good salespeople are out making millions of dollars for their firms selling or, or and and or millions of dollars from themselves selling. They're not teaching sales classes at a YMCA for like five hundred bucks a pop for a ten week course. They're just not. They don't have time. So yeah. the, you know, if they're teaching sales, they're teaching their their sales team and their company sales. And, and even even good sales guys are working at a car dealership or something like that because you can at least make money doing that more so than at Dale Carnegie. So I just thought, okay, these these learning annex courses are not gonna do it. So I started to grab psychology books. Uh, persuasion books, influence books, some of the basics like influence from Cialdini, but also other things like that you wouldn't normally pick up, like cassette tapes from the 60s or 70s with this guy, Tommy Hopkins, who's like, and then I told my secretary, Janice, get me a write-up for 20 typewriters. I'm going to sell them all today. And I was just like, what is this? Right. But they were awesome because the guy yeah. was revolutionary in his time, this guy Tommy Hopkins, because he was you like... Let's check that out. Yeah, yeah it, you, if you can even find them. They were literally yeah. like gross audio cassettes that like some of the sides didn't work and you'd have to like go in and cut it and then put some tape yeah. over it and then run it back through the tape player. It There's people hard. listening
0: to this right now. I have no idea what you are talking wears. about. Right? Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> that's I'm just thinking that. about. You know, when you see that picture with the the pen when you have to mm-hmm. wind that wind up the uh, the tape again. Yeah. You know, the, uh, yeah. You yeah. got to. Re-
1: you have to rewind it because it's bunched up somewhere. Yeah. 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 That's uh that happened all the time, and of yeah. course back then I uh, my fingers were small enough to fit in there because I was yeah a you kid. could twist
0: it with a finger yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah yeah I had
1: Michael <laughs> Jackson on there or something you know Thriller or Bad or whatever it is yeah, or Beat exactly. It single, so I um. So I, I started to really go down to grassroots, if you will, like I was going through old sales tapes, I was trying to figure out influencer and persuasion, I was trying to figure out rapport, I was trying to break it into psychology components, not even sales stuff, I was like, okay, let's just go to body language, let's just study body language. <clears throat> and I started teaching these little networking courses at my law school when I went back for, the, for year three, and no one cared. Nobody cared at all. I, I I remember taking a networking class from my law school and I remember this is how I got into it. It was so awful because it was like, let's do mock interviews. And you'd be standing in a hallway and a professor who like practiced law for five minutes would come in and go, Okay, why do you want to work here? And you'd go, I really like financial transaction law. And they would go, Yeah, you're gonna be fine. And I'd and like, huh? You're gonna be fine. No, you're not gonna be fine. You've never hired anyone. Why am I taking interview advice from you? You've never done this before for real. Like, but professors are like, oh, I know how hiring works. I study HR management. Okay, cool. So um, I started teaching networking as like a side thing because, quote unquote, I knew they didn't have time. That, that was the way I framed it, right? I know the professors don't have time to teach this. Maybe I can teach this because here's what I've got in a curriculum. So I started teaching it and like two women showed up and no guys, and these women would come back week after week, and I I've asked them why, and they said, "Well, for us, you know, we're women in this workplace. We need all the help we can get." And guys were like, "I don't care about networking. I'm, I'm, I'll be fine. I don't need to bring in business. I just need to work hard." And I thought that was an interesting dichotomy between men and women, because the women realized how important relationships were from the jump, and guys were mm-hmm. like, "I don't need relationships because I'm so great at everything, and I'm never going to make any mistakes." And I thought yeah. classic dichotomy between male and female lawyers, first of all, uh, at yeah, least it's, ent- it's entry level.
0: Interesting, isn't it? It's a bit, it's been yeah. pseudoscience, but it's that kind of oxytocin versus testosterone, yeah. isn't it? Just hunter-gatherer yeah. versus, you know, the, actually I tr- building trust and empathy is more naturally-
1: yeah. And, oh, I and like so women say that today. I don't know. Well, and also women realizing that it's a that law, big law was a man's world, especially at that time. And right. that they needed to stick together. And the guys were just like, screw it. I'm a genius. Cause you know, I made it all the way mm-hmm. to law school. And I think a lot of women in law school were like, Ooh, this is going to be an uphill battle for us for our whole career. You know, they were very wise right. and the guys were really naive going into it. Um, and So eventually, you know, we were going into these non-air-conditioned rooms every Thursday or whatever it was in law school, and half the time the room would be locked because they'd forget to unlock it for us. And I was like, to hell with this. Let's do these classes at a bar. And we would go to the bar, and then I started to break down the the nonverbal communication. uh, And they were like, oh, so you can read people's nonverbal communication. This is fun. Let's do this. So I would pick couples out at the bar and I'd say they're dating, they're not dating. This is a uh, you know close friends, or this guy's into her, but she's not into him. Blah 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 blah. And the women were like, "This is this is what I'm talking about. This is interesting." So then he got they, my attention now. Yeah. yeah. They, yes. Okay. I'm listening. So so then they started bringing their friends, and then I had a nine women at the table every Thursday, and then it was like every Thursday and every Friday, and then guys started to be like, okay. Every time I go out for a drink, you're here with nine women. I'm here alone. Every Thursday, every Friday, what's going on? And I was like, oh, I'm teaching a networking class. And they were like, sign me up. You know, it was like yoga or something. So they, the guys started coming and I thought, okay, this is, this is interesting. Now we're playing this game and the guys are trying to do this and they can't do it. And the women are like really fascinated with the body language thing. And it turns into like a dating class. And that's when the podcast started to take off because I started to give these talks then the guys would bring their friend the next time and the guy would have all these sort of remedial questions cuz they didn't understand how anything worked cuz they were guys in college you know law school right and i i went okay no questions from new people listen to these CDs that i'm burning And then come back the next week with your questions because you will then have the basics. And if the basic is answered on the CD and you keep asking me those questions, you have to go back home and listen to it again. You cannot talk and interrupt, you know, basically I felt like a professor. You can't interrupt my lecture because you didn't do the reading, you know, that kind of thing. So that to me was really kind of the beginning of where I was like, there's some, I've got something here. I just can't quite figure it out. And it's not going to be selling $20 CDs of basics to whatever guy walks in the door, Um, Because guys would say, Oh, I gave the CD away. Oh, I need another CD. My brother wanted it. You know, he's keeping it that kind of thing. So I started to sell the CDs, but I realized there's this is inefficient. So I started to upload the files to the internet. And then that's when a friend of mine was like, Hey, you should do podcasting. It's brand new. You know, it just started this year or last year or whatever it was It was 2006 when I started. Put your audio files there, and then tell people they can download them, and then you don't have to listen to CDs. So I started to put the files on the internet. and that's when I really started to see that there was magic in what what, what I was teaching on the Jordan Harbinger Show or the precursor to the Jordan Harbinger Show because that was those files started to get accessed not only by people in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but people in South Africa and Germany. And I was like, who are these people listening wow. to me in other countries? I'm not marketing online. I don't know how to do that. I am just doing a podcast where local people that I tell how to find can find it, and but it's in the iTunes directory. And I'm like, yeah, but it's all text. Nobody has this, you know, just people with iPods. Like how are people navigating and finding this? There's no search back then in iTunes, nothing. And it was just people downloading every podcast they could, giving it a listen, seeing which ones were cool. And I was like, wow, there are thousands of people out there listening to this. We have a community going, and this is really something incredible. So that was the beginning of me realizing that not only are networking skills adjacent to dating skills, but that like everyone actually wants to learn this stuff, whether they know it or not.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And i I like to go back a little bit to the, the guy that you work with. Who was having these meetings, going out playing golf and doing jujitsu and and so on. Yeah. Because there are there are going to be people listening to this, watching this on LinkedIn, particularly LinkedIn, you know, lots of recruiters, right? Lots of consultants, salespeople who are thinking, so how? You know, how do I how do I get out there and have these meetings? How can I benefit from this type of of networking? Can, can we deep dive just a little bit into that? Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the parallel unpick some of the parallels there that people can take away, because, you know, what I've noticed in sales, it does seem to be the people with the most meetings make the most sales. So they're out there in the field, but they're not necessarily doing it in Starbucks or um, over a desk. It might be connecting through hobbies and different things. Can we can we explore that a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. So the people who have the most meetings probably make the most sales because they're playing the numbers game of having the most meetings, which is great. But a lot of people think sales meetings are, okay, Bob, I'm going to be over there at 9 a.m. for the sales meeting, you know, like have have your secretary make me a cup of coffee. Like that's what people think sales right. meetings are, like these old school formal things. And what I've found over years is, I don't think I've ever had a sales meeting that's not like a really boring conference call, but the best sales meetings that I've had that have been game changers for either me or for the people selling me something, it'll be like, hey, why don't we just go out to lunch? You know, we're at this conference. Let's go grab a bite to eat. You know, let's talk about the Jordan Harbinger show, blah, blah, blah. And then it would be like, hey, why don't we sponsor you for X dollars? Or like, why don't we do this test? Why don't we Why don't we sell this? Why don't we buy that? And it's always informal. I mean, I've closed, I don't play golf. It's funny because some of the biggest deals that I've closed at conferences were like doing miniature golf because it's really short and it's not that hot, you know, and you can get a beer <laughs> during generally. Uh, and if you're at a conference, so you're like, let's skip today and go play miniature golf. Like it's three miles away, I'll get an Uber, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and yeah. so yes, technically golfing, I guess you would say, uh, or over a meal or like at some party, you know, you sit down and talk with somebody that you like, that you think is interesting. And suddenly you have, you want to do business with people, you know, like, and trust. And that's pretty of common, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and you don't really need to have meetings where you show up and go in and present your stuff. I mean, you can sell that way. It does work. But what's better is to sell to people that already know, like, and trust you. And you don't have to have a yeah. formal meeting to do that. You know, yeah, you don't. Yeah. You have to have a lot I guess calling of it for- a
0: sales meeting, mm-hmm. sorry, I interrupted you there, but I guess That's calling okay. it a sales meeting in itself is a problem, right?
1: Uh, yeah, especially if your t- calendar title is like Jordan Harbinger <laughs> uh, sales meeting, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to get sold at 9 a.m. Put my guard up and like, come up with an excuse for why I have to leave early and all this stuff. But if I show up to a social engagement and someone's like, hey, I don't want to bug you about it now, but I know that you're working on growing your podcast and we have this th- product you should definitely take a look at because it does XYZ. I Y, Z. I don't know if that would be helpful. We'd love for you to take a look at it and see if it's helpful and give us any feedback on why it may or may not be helpful, whatever you need. That type of thing is much, much more, that is much, much more effective And people are, the way that people, where people go wrong is they go, oh, okay. Hey, Jordan, let's go see a movie. But first I'm going to surprise you in the car with a brochure of like my Herbalife scam. And I'm like, no, screw this. I'm out. You know, you can't dupe people into a sales meeting. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't be pretending to be social with somebody and then trying to sell them somebody. It should be a real. So, you should already be doing business with people you know, like, and trust. So, you should already be theoretically, I should know who you are already. And none of this should be a surprise. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You, you know, that's the best way to go about creating a sales meeting situation where you're just, worst case, if I'm like, I'm absolutely not interested in that at all. You're not like, oh, now I got a mini golf with this piece of crap. You should be like, all right, well, it's a social engagement anyways. You know, you have to be very careful about that because people can really smell when they're being sold to, so you can't hide the ball, but you also can't and should not try to try to make everything super formal because you'll, you'll end up with fewer meetings that's for damn sure. Or people will cancel because you'll be last priority.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been in sales and I think the penny dropped for me when I was working in, I was working at yellow pages, selling advertising and you know, you'd go in with the laptop and the presentation and it'd be a too cool process. So you find out the needs and ask them all the questions and then you get all this information and you go back again and, and pitch. But the penny dropped for me when I – I don't know what made me think about it, but I just said, you know what, Let, let's just forget about the book for a second because we don't even know if it's the right thing for you. Let's just have a conversation about your business, where you're going. And when I was at Yellow Page, Google was starting to kind of get some traction and the book was starting to die, right? So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so when we could start looking at the whole – Programming—it's just—it's just the building that trust, isn't it? And, and also having a conversation about what's in it for them, rather than going in and saying, "Hey, I need to sell advertising, right?" Because that's how I pay my bills. And even if it's unconscious, you know, they people are picking up on it
1: it is well yeah you have an agenda it's like when you go on a date and you're mm-hmm. like i just want to sleep with this person i don't <laughs> yeah. care about their hobbies like people notice yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and if they're not up for that kind of date you're not getting you're not yeah. getting it no, nothing's gonna happen yeah nothing's yeah. gonna it's happen it's a closed door yeah it's
0: so funny you mentioned um herbal life just now because i had a, a friend of mine well it's one of those kind of friends at school i kind of knew but I hadn't spoken to him in like 25 years. Right. right? And just just hit me up on Facebook. Sure. Right? Hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, good. Why, great to hear from you. You know, I haven't heard from you in a long time. And uh, he was like, have you caught up with such and such? Are you still, in, you know, and, and it was kind of having this kind of conversation. He said, what are you up to? And I told him what I was doing. And, uh, and I got the next, e- next message. Hey, you won't believe the webinar I've just been on at Herbal Life. <laughs> it was amazing. Wow! Like you, you know, and it was like the second message, and I just knew straight away. I thought, "Here it comes! Here it comes!" Mm-hmm. And I just said, "Oh, cool, great!" And then, and then the, I got a message the next day. Um, yeah, I, I'd really like to share this information that I just heard on her. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with it? I'm like, dude, I was selling Herbalife when I was about nineteen. Uh, 25 years ago. I did it was a months. scam then. It yeah. was a scam then. But I said to him, hey, I'm, I'm not really into that pyramid thing. He said, it's not pyramid anymore. It's changed. I'm like, no, they changed the name, right? But it's the same thing, same business model. Um, but it's just amazing how people are quick in with that punch and you can see it coming, right? You can you can see it coming.
1: Yeah. It, um, it's It's because the agenda is really obvious. It's Hey, what's going on? I haven't talked to you for like 25 years. What's the latest with you? Oh, hi, Tom, Uh, I have kids and I live in Prague now and it's really fun. Cool, have you seen Herbalife and how you can make passive income from home? Okay, hold on, (laughs) D-bag. Yeah, where where do we go here, how'd that happen? Yeah, yeah. But you know, you should thank those people because they're gonna fail so hard that at least they'll get away from that scam, which is good for them. And then the other good thing is they didn't waste a bunch of your time. Because what's worse is hey, let's reconnect. I'm having a barbecue. I'm going to have all these other people over that you haven't seen in a long time. Great. You show up there and then, hey, you want to get lunch? And you're like, cool. I just reconnected with this guy from high school. Hey, so you want to join Scientology? Ah, for fuck's sake. (laughs) i'm out this whole thing was a waste of time i knew it oh all the people i talked to last week were in on this i hate all of you thanks for wasting my time good to catch up with you guys and find out you're all a bunch of wankers you know like (laughs) at least you found out early that he was just trying to use you so that he can you know rope you into his scammy crap i know yeah but i felt i I kind of wanted to say
0: to him hey mate just you know cut your losses now don't, yeah, you know, run. just run, don't. But he was so passionate, I felt like I couldn't, you know. Anyway, um, let's I go mean, back. yeah sorry go
1: Now I was going to say, I mean, cults do that; they try to get you to be passionate about something so they can take your money. But you can't really talk someone out. It's it's hard to talk someone out of that.
0: They're too deep into it by then.
1: Yeah, they got to figure it out for themselves for sure. I do. Uh, I do find. That those who create connections early without the expectation of anything in return tend to do the best. So, w- to our earlier point, when we were talking about should I be, or how should I present, how should I create these sales meetings, or should I be creating sales meetings, those that build relationships before you need them, we call it digging the well before you're thirsty, those are the people that do the best. So, dig the well before you get thirsty, build relationships before you need them. And yes, it's a numbers game. Yes, you do well by playing the numbers, but you really do need to be using, or I should say creating relationships before you need to use them. Creating relationships without the expectation of something in return. So make sure that you are not trying to figure out how to use your network to get something from it or looking only at what's in it for you because you won't see most opportunities Uh, At that point, you won't see most opportunities from other people coming because even they don't know that they can help you. You have to generate a relationship with people before you use it.
0: You mentioned earlier and and going up those levels. And I think, uh, you know, I come from a sports background. So same things kind of happens. You see it at college level and then they get to that elite level where they're playing at a national level. And everybody in that dressing room is worried about getting found out. You know, they're interesting. yeah, and they are not sure if uh, they can add value to the dressing room, and we talk about that in culture. You know, you just want to make sure everyone feels safe. But I have a question for you: What, who is uh, You've in, you've interviewed a lot of people, like a lot of, you know, a players, like big big stars, right? Um, has anyone ever shared with you? You know, who's the most, or the most famous person that said, you know what? I suffer with imposter syndrome
1: as well. Oh man. The most famous person to ever. I mean, Howie Mandel, uh, the comedian. Do you know him over there? Probably not. Um, He's not
0: a here, but I'm familiar with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he is one of the hosts of America's Got Talent. So depending on where you're watching from, you have no idea who he is. But he's been a working comedian for years and years and years and years and years. And he told me that he often thinks about that or he often used to think about that. I meant to ask Kobe Bryant about it, but he kind of dodged it probably because he didn't want to, he either didn't want to admit it uh, or he just doesn't have it because he was Kobe Bryant, you know, that that's also possible, but it, it is also highly unlikely that he did not have that. I think a lot of those guys, I think in some sort of like professional athlete cultures, it's not cool to admit that you ever had doubt in yourself. Yeah. Even, if, I, even I just don't you're think retaliate. you're
0: human. And, like, and I wonder, even at the, you know, some of the biggest performers like Kobe and, you know, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, you know, these big, you know, David Beckham, whoever, um, maybe that's one of what drives them in some cases, you know, it's just that, you know, where ego can actually help, you know, where it's managed in the right way, but that that drive to be one of the best uh is what, what gets them there. And, and and I think, you know, even you said, um, you know, you found a way to play to your strengths. And that's the thing that resonated with me is that you, you wanted to get the information. You were thinking, you know what, if I can't compete on work ethic and everyone else, everyone's on the same playing field academically, how do I have an advantage? And And what I was getting from the conversation was that speaking to that guy is that you had to adapt, you know, you had to say, right, how can I, play to my strengths? What is my strength? And I think there's a lesson there for everybody that rather than playing along and saying, well, I've just got to work faster, be harder or be taller, like you mentioned earlier, actually, (laughs) maybe there's another tactic, another strategy, maybe I'm missing something. And I wonder how, what does it take for someone to, to take that step back and reflect on that and say, maybe there's another way.
1: I think either people have to hit a lot of failures where they go, this isn't working for me, this isn't working for me maybe there can be somebody who tells them they're doing it wrong. You know, either a mentor or, or you just get a client who goes, look, man, this was nice of you, but I'm not going to buy this from you because you're pushy and we don't have an established relationship and you need to figure out how to, you know, do it. And then you eventually go, ding, oh, okay. Right. You know, for me, it was reverse engineering what that partner Dave had told me about, well, you just got to be cool. And I was like, that's not really what he means. That's what he thinks he means, but that's because he can't articulate what he's doing. So for me, I thought, okay, just be cool. Yes, he's funny and like people like being around him. So that's an element of that. Let me write that down, right? I got to figure out how to be a little more charming, entertaining, whatever it is. But also, he knew a lot of people for a long time. So they, they what, is, what does that do? Okay, it gives him familiarity. What else? They know he's not going to screw up the deal, so trust. Okay, cool. So they trust him. They know him. They like him. They trust him that seems to be the magic formula. Okay. So how do I get to know more people? All right. I go to a lot of events. I keep in touch with people over a long period of time because, you know, just cause you met somebody 10 years ago doesn't mean you know them. So let's, let's keep in touch with lots of people. So I invented a system for that. Like, okay. That was a whole thing about like charm and generating rapport and being funny, and entertaining and adding value in social situations. Um, and, Trust is when those people have the opportunity or when I have the opportunity to help those people, how do I showcase that? Because a lot of times people will go, oh, Andrew is posting about looking for an audio engineer. Oh, well, what's in it for me? Nothing. I'm not an audio engineer. I'm not going to do anything with that. No, no, no. How can I jump at the opportunity to build trust? Okay, Andrew needs an audio engineer. Let me introduce him to an audio engineer that will do a good job that will show him that the people I surround myself with are competent, good individuals that don't mistreat him. If I do that a few times, he will look at me like one of those people that will rub off on me. So I need to be looking for opportunities to build trust by doing that, by creating opportunities for you and not going what's in it for me. Because that limits the opportunities I can create for you, which limits the amount of trust I can build for you, right? Yep. So I tried to figure out how to manually engineer, not in a tricky way, but just manually engineer, know, like, and trust, and and it works. You know, dig the well before you're thirsty. Getting people to know, uh, like, and trust you before you need those relationships. Mm-hmm. Know people, meet as many people as you can, keep in touch with them for as long as possible. Like add value to social interactions or relationships be pleasant you know create network opportunities for them and then trust help people without the expectation of anything in return and that is a formula that works for everyone and if people yeah. think it doesn't work it's because they're doing it wrong there's no scenario in which being known liked and trusted doesn't result in business or opportunity there just isn't one
0: yeah yeah and i think that's you know what i mentioned at the beginning and it's not you know pe- people think the next level of networking is where i give 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 but it's that kind of, yeah, now it's my turn. You know, I've, I've kind of given you a bunch of stuff. Now it's, you remember that thing I gave you? Now it's your turn to give back to me. And
1: it's a, yeah, kind a of still going
0: in with that intention,
1: you know? Yeah, the transactional garbage that yeah. people think is, think makes sense. That's a scarcity sort of frame when you come at things like that. Like, I only have so many things to give away. So there are people that don't last long in industries and, and talking with them goes like this. Hey, uh, Andrew, I heard that you know Snoop Dogg's agent, and I would love to get Snoop Dogg on the Jordan Harbinger show. Can you make an intro? Somebody who understands know, like, and trust and dig the well before you get thirsty, somebody who's practicing this will go, yeah, you know, he's a pretty tough guy to pitch, I'll warn you, but I am happy to send something to him or make an introduction if it makes sense. Why don't you send me what you need? I will talk to him anyways, because it's about time I pinged him, and I'll bring it up and see what they're looking for in terms of media exposure. Great, here you go, Andrew. Here's my pitch, and you can send it to him, and please let me know. Even if they say yes or no, it's fine. A no is just as good as a yes, almost. Uh, let me know what happens. That's, that's good. People, But most people will go, ooh, yeah, I don't really want to use up that connection and so I'm not going to do that because you know Snoop Dogg's an important guy. Maybe one day I'll want to have him on, so I don't want to ask him for anything because right. you know that would be me using up my social capital. And what you don't realize is you don't have you don't have social capital. You haven't done anything for anybody. Snoop Dogg's agent, you know, you're treating me like you treat other people. So Snoop Dogg's agent or whatever your connection, they don't know like and trust you either. And you know, I know a lot of people that have gone. Oh yeah, I know so-and-so. And I go, oh, great. Well, when, you know, can you do this and this and this? Well, I don't want to use that connection right away. Well, when's the last time you talked to them? Five years ago? Oh, well, they're, you're dead to them. Are you kidding? Right. Oh, but I didn't want to bother them with anything because one day I might need it. So you have this magical email address that one day you're going to send something to and they're going to return. Give me a break. You don't have squat. You're just as, I could, I have a better chance of getting it by cold emailing than you do by emailing five years later. Never mind. skip you, you know, back to me. So you have to be really careful because people who operate transactionally, they rarely do they have good connections that are healthy, their network is awful and uh, and even if it's if it seems good, it's purely transactional so you can never do anything. And ironically, it's usually these internet marketers that go, you know, I'll go, "Hey, can you introduce me to so and so?" and they'll go, "Well, Jordan, I never like to ask for anything without giving value in return. And and that sounds good on its face, but it really is sort of a BS way of saying, you have to do something for me before I do something for you. And mm-hmm. it's ironic because these are supposedly master networkers who are great at adding value in relationships, which is a buzzword for give me something if you want something a lot of the time. So you have to be really careful because the best networkers give without the expectation or or without the attach attachment to getting something in return. They'll help 100 people and if 90 of them never talk to them again, they don't care. Because they realize that they're not networking for their own benefit, they're doing it to build referral currency in most cases. So if you ask me for an introduction, I'm not thinking, good, I might need something from Andrew Stilto in a month. I'm thinking, great, I get a chance to introduce somebody who I already know to you Therefore, you're getting value from that that connection, and this person I'm introducing is getting value from that connection. I just built two, I don't know, units of value that I may or may not ever be able to cash in, but it cost me nothing to generate. So I want to do as much of that as possible. But most people never do that. They're looking for what's in it for me. And when you do that, you rarely find an opportunity right away. So then you don't do the thing that generates the referral currency. Hey, Jordan, can you introduce me to somebody who knows such and such in Prague? Okay, what's in it for me? Nothing, Ugh, whatever. Now that's the last <laughs> priority. I don't care, I'm not gonna do it. Well, great. Then when I need something later, I'm the guy who didn't bother to do anything when you could have used a really easy favor. So how eager are you then to help me, right? Right. Not really, yeah. not very. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So is there a danger where people are so generous you know that they just, that you that there might be a, an element of distrust because you think this person just gives and gives and gives. I mean, I I think of people I know that and they are probably the wealthiest people I know, right? Who the first question they ask me is, "How can I help?" Yeah, and you know, who can I introduce you to? And they're just amazing. Um, but is there a, a fear? Maybe people feel the fear, or you kind of sense a, a, something in somebody when they just you wonder how they make any money because they just they spend all their life helping everyone else. Do you ever see that or experience that?
1: Well, I mean, there are a lot of people that are generous to a fault, and and they're. but the only time that you can be generous to a fault is if people are walking all over you. Like, oh yeah, you know, I lent money to a friend and then right. he needed more money and I lent him money and then I did it and I got him a job and then he was drunk the first day and then I got him another job and he's drunk the second day. Like there are certain people who are just losers and you want to cut them out of your life. And there are other people that are takers and you don't necessarily want to keep helping them because they're not going to respect your boundaries. It's like, that's the person that bugs you for an introduction every month. And then when you say, hey, would you mind doing this little thing for me? And they're like, oh, I can't help you. You know, I'm really busy. I can't do it. I mean, I've got got former friends where, they would ask me for favors all the time and then they would never have their wallet when we went out to eat. And then I'd be like, hey, I'm moving. Would you help me move a couch? And they'd be like, oh, my back hurts, buddy. Just worked out. Can't help you. And I'd be like, oh, I get it. You're a piece of crap. Bye. You know, I don't need you in my life. Like you're acting like you're important in the scheme of things, buddy. And It's just not true. Like, you know, I enjoyed your company for a while, but you're just a, you're just a leech Peace. I don't need you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And And you can tell who these people are because they do this repeatedly. It's a pattern of behavior. Like you can't tell after one thing because people are allowed to make mistakes when they build and, and create relationships. You know, there was one guy who's a friend of mine who offered my wife, he said, can you translate this whole course I just made into Chinese or something like that? And in return, I'll give you the course for free. And she was like, I'm not spending seven hours of time translating something to get your $30 course, you you moron. You know, like she didn't say that, but she was like, no. And then later on, the guy was like, oh yeah, I can't believe I did that, I'm so sorry. That was like stupid, I was new to business, I just don't know what I was thinking. I was trying to like leverage opportunity and da-da-da. Not yeah. a big deal. But then there's other people that are like, hey, can you translate my whole course into Chinese? Um, I'll give you the free course and, you know, also can you then have your husband share this on his podcast? And can you also post it on your social media? And can you leave me a review? Oh, and also, I don't have my wallet on during this meal. And also, you know, do, would you mind lending me 600 bucks for a plane ticket because i got to go home and visit my family? I mean, there are people right. like that, and you just go, oh, I get it. You only care about yourself, and you don't have your shit together. Like, right. no, no yeah. thanks. Hard pass. Yeah. You're. You know, these are the people that
0: call. say, well, if you don't ask, you don't get right? I mean, yeah. this is what you get, yeah. Did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of, and look, if you don't, yes, if you don't ask, you don't get, but if you don't give, you don't get
0: more so. So
1: yes, you can. And, and, and I just brilliantly came up. No, I'm sure that's been said a million times, (laughs) but think about like the, yes, if you don't ask, you don't get sure. But like, what have you done to pave the way for this? Have you been giving like, Mm -hmm. if I help you a bunch of times and then I ask you for something and you say no Yeah, I might go, well, if you don't ask, you don't get. That was a big thing I just asked you. You know, I asked you to lend me $700 for a plane ticket, and all I did was help you move a couch. Like, okay, well, it was worth asking, because I don't have anyone else to ask. That's not a dastardly thing to do. But for me to ask you for stuff all the time, and then when you ask me for something, it's like, well, yeah, if you don't ask, you don't get, but don't expect there to be any infrastructure for you to get anything from anyone. If you aren't giving, giving is far more important than having the balls to ask somebody or the gall to ask somebody for something that that takes a second. Giving is what actually creates the, found, the foundation of a relationship. So, you know, you're right. Those are people that probably have a lot of like salesy bumper stickers, but they're also people who just profound like what, what am I looking for they they have a profound lack of understanding of how social relationships work and usually that's the result of years of me 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 and mm. not being intelligent enough socially to notice the pattern of them not getting what they want because they don't have they can't they're not intelligent enough socially to think about why things aren't working out for them. You know, yeah. th- there are yeah. often people, and I'm not saying this is exclusively the case. Is it emotional intelligence, Jordan? Is that there's what we're talking emotional, about? You know. Yeah, there's emotional intelligence, but there are also people that are that are selfish, of course, and there are people that also think that luck plays a really outsized role in what some people have and what they don't. And I'm not saying there's no role of luck, of course. We all know that, like, everybody who's been extremely successful is lucky in some way. But there are also a lot of people that that make a lot of bad luck for themselves by doing absolutely nothing to further their cause. And a lot of that is just because they lack understanding of how social relationships work. And right. those people are always going to struggle. They're always yeah. going to struggle. Yeah. And but I guess it takes
0: a bit of an epiphany, does it? Or something for them to, to realize that the way they're operating or the way they're thinking about or the way they're approaching these things is not working.
1: Yeah. And and look, a lot of these people surround themselves with enablers. You know, you look at their parents and it's like, right. oh, I get it. Your mom coddled you and bought you everything and still pays your rent. Of course, you're going to be a freaking loser at age 35, if that's the case. Of course, you're going to be a loser. To look, I'm not saying if you're 35 and you've hit hard times and your mom's giving you a break, you're a loser. That's not the case. I'm saying if you've never done anything for yourself because your parents have coddled you. Of course, you're not going to be able to do anything for yourself because you've never had the opportunity or the need to do so. But also, right. you know, you surround yourself with enablers enough, you're in trouble. I, there's a the same guy who asked my wife to translate this course into Chinese and in return, she'd get this $30 piece of crap course for free. You know, um, that's the same guy that. Oh, we better have him over for Christmas because he doesn't have any family here in the United States. Well, we better take it, you know, he doesn't have any money because he lost his job and he's doing his, he's doing his courses thing. So he doesn't have enough money to pay for going out to eat, but we want to include him. And I'm like. Nobody asked me my opinion on this because if that guy called me, I would go, no, you never do anything for anyone. I'm not going to do anything for you. You are known as a leech in our circles and you should do your best to change that opinion because you are never going to get anywhere. You're terrible at making relationships and you're So I might be a little bit blunt, but the thing is by dealing with me, he would learn a lot of really valuable truths because I would lay it out very explicitly, but nobody's ever had the kindness to tell this guy the truth.
0: Yeah. You know. That some, sometimes
1: requires being a little bit brutal or blunt. It does, um, but it's awkward yeah. for people, so they don't want to do it. I, on the other hand, am like, hey, if nobody ever tells you this, you're never going to get it. So if you want to think I'm a jerk or an a-hole for doing it, You're cool. okay with that. I'm fine <laughs> yeah. with it, because worst yeah, yeah, case yeah. scenario, you go away because you don't like me anymore. And best yeah. case scenario, you go, ah, you were right, and you try to change your ways. Either way, I win, Yeah.
0: yeah so yeah. I don't
1: see what the problem is. Yeah, but yeah, and, and that's
0: you know, as a coach, that's the role of the coach, and sometimes yeah. it, people don't want to hear it. Um, I'm very lucky. I'm you know, you know, I'm, I'm married to a Czech woman, so um, she is definitely you know very your honest ha- with your me. your
1: haircut is ugly. Oh, is that rude? Sorry, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm not yeah, sorry. yeah, your yeah, haircut yeah. is ugly. <laughs>
0: Um, We've got a question, a few questions that have come through, Mm. but I just want to pick this one out because it's an interesting one um, from Liz, who's saying, hello both, this is very interesting, very interesting conversation. Is there such a thing as altruistic networking?
1: Yeah, all networking is essentially altruistic if you're doing it right. The type of people that are doing it right are giving without the expectation of anything in return, like we talked about before, not looking at what's in it for you, at least not right away. That's altruistic. You're helping other people. The people who do it wrong are the people who are doing the opposite. So those people aren't really networking. They're just trying to get something from other people. They're trying to sell. Hey, can you do this thing for me because I know you? That's sales. That's not networking. Mm-hmm. Networking is creating connections between people in your network that doesn't necessarily directly and immediately benefit you. So all networking, if done right, is altruistic. There's. It's only the people that do it wrong. That are not altruistic, but then right. again, I would argue that that's not networking because it doesn't freaking work,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's sales.
1: Right. It's bad sales.
0: Yeah. Awesome, Jordan. This has been amazing, uh, and thank you so much because you've you've given us so much information. And for the you know, business owners, business leaders out there, or anyone that is, you know, a little bit fearful, you know, just to let go of that fear, and, and it's not about you. I get for me, that's the the biggest thing. It's not about you. Just get out there and 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 help others. Um, final words, you know, final tips, hacks, anything that you think we've missed that you think people should hear when it comes to networking.
1: Yeah, so it's about consistency. So I do the Connect 4 exercise from my course, Six Minute Networking, which is free. I know people are like, ah, here's the ups upsell. I've, I've been a,
0: through it. It's brilliant. Check it out. It's really very, very good. Thank you. And is it
1: free? It's free, right? It's absolutely end, there's, free. There's no yeah, yeah. enter your credit card BS in there. Or I even
0: did I, some of the exercises, you know, the text exercise I loved. Did, you know, it's some really good stuff in there. You should really, people should check it out.
1: That's at jordanharbinger.com slash course. Again, it's free. I don't have any ups, I don't have anything to sell. Um, and the reason for that is because the more people that know this, the better off. We all are, and especially since those people are now in my circle, theoretically, they're going to be helpful to each other, and then if I ever need to tap into it, which I haven't yet, then great. Uh, But the texting exercise is called Connect4, and it's every morning, go into your texts, go all the way to the bottom of the text messaging window where there's all those old threads where it's like... Hey, are we still on for tomorrow? It's like unknown number, you know, and you're like, Oh, that's Tom. You know, I should text him and re-engage. So you re-engage four people like that every day. It results in these very short conversations generally, but it results in massive opportunity because one in 50 people that you re-engage is going to be like, Oh, I need a keynote speaker for this event. Oh, uh, you know, I'm a book editor and you know, you said you have a book concept or like, what What is it? Let's talk about it. You know, there's a lot of opportunity that comes out of that. That's the numbers game at work. Re-engage 50 people, 35 of them reply. One of those people has an amazing opportunity for you three months later. You just don't know. Yeah. So that's the that's the playing with house money and it takes like five minutes a day and most people don't do it because they go, I'm naturally good at networking. No, you're not. I teach this to intelligence agents and if they're not doing this, you're not doing this. People go, I naturally do a lot of this. No, you don't. Um, Stop lying to yourself. Um, (laughs) Just, you know, the fact that you reach out on LinkedIn to somebody on their birthday is not the same as texting four people a day. It's just not. Um, So I have a lot of drills in there like this that are consistent, that take just a few minutes a day, and that result in a a compounded interest type of effect over time. And people should be doing those. These Uh are... There's only a few drills. Again, it just takes a few minutes a day. The course is free. JordanHarbinger.com slash course is where it's at. And it is the stuff I teach to salespeople, intelligence agents, executives, like it works. And it is very simple and very easy.
0: Great. So for those that are out there want to learn more about you, that's the place to go, is it?
1: Yeah, or check out the Jordan Harbinger show.
0: Thank you for listening to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsilito.com.